0: Initiatives, like Pathways to Bright Futures, allow students to graduate high school with an associate degree or an industry-based credential, along with their high school diploma. More information at ebrschools.org.
1: From Mansur's on the Boulevard, we're Out to Lunch with Stephanie Regal. It's business, Baton Rouge style.
2: Hi, I'm Stephanie Regal. Welcome to Out to Lunch. It's no secret that Baton Rouge and the surrounding parishes are home to some of the largest petrochemical plants in the world. We're also a hub of activity when it comes to climate and resilience because of our sinking coastline and rising seas in an era of climate change. The intersection of these vast and important fields creates interesting opportunities for companies that are also based here and training young people to work in those fields in the future. With me today to discuss this is Mark Fallon, CEO of Aptim, a Baton Rouge based company that provides engineering, program management, environmental services, disaster recovery, facility maintenance, and construction services to clients in the energy sector as well as governments and the military. Aptim was spun off several years ago from CBI, which you may remember bought the Shaw Group in 2013. Mark has been at the helm of the company since April 2020, which was no doubt an interesting time to start a new big challenge, but he came armed with a wealth of experience Prior to joining Aptim, Mark was president and CEO of sister companies Envirocon, a national remediation and decommissioning contractor, and Modern Machinery, a distributor of heavy construction and mining equipment. Mark also worked at CH2M and started his career in the U.S. Department of Energy under President Bill Clinton. Mark, it's a pleasure to have you here with us. Thanks for joining us on Out to Lunch.
1: Thanks so much, Stephanie, pleased to be here.
2: Joining me and Mark at the table is Fran Harvey, director of the Global Geospatial Institute, a nonprofit organization based in Innovation Park at LSU that teaches students how to capture, store, manipulate, analyze, manage, and display all kinds of spatial or geographical data using the only GIS industry-based certification program in the country. Most people, including most high school kids, probably don't realize they're using GIS data every time they pick up their smartphone and open the MAP app, or check the location of the Uber they're waiting on, or the DoorDash guy who has their dinner. But GIS is everywhere, and the Global Geospatial Institute believes that if young people can learn the skills that go into GIS, they'll be better prepared to enter today's workforce. And Fran was introduced to the technology while working as an environmental scientist. She spent years in disaster response and recovery. She also spent more than a decade at the Louisiana Department of Environmental Quality as an environmental scientist and GIS analyst. She and her husband founded the Global Geospatial Institute in 2014. Fran, thanks for joining us today on Out to Lunch. You're welcome. Well, Mark, it's We're very excited to have a big CEO here, so welcome. We always have interesting people, but you're in a special category here. Aptum competes on a global scale, doing large scale projects. Y'all have still about 3,000 employees. Is that all based here in Baton Rouge? And and, and tell us about the kind of stuff y'all do.
1: 100%, thanks so much, Stephanie. We are based, proudly based here in Baton Rouge. We have about uh, 300 people here in the Baton Rouge area, about 900 in Louisiana. we uh, concentrate in sort of two areas of, of our work. Number one is environmental and sustainability, mm-hmm. and that runs the gamut from doing sustainability consulting for uh, private sector customers. We own a uh, platform called the Sustainable Sports Index, which benchmarks the sustainability performance of professional sports stadia and arenas. Um, wow, that is so cool. It's really cool, and
2: uh, so like just not to interrupt you, like sustainability, like how how well the Superdome, for instance, or Tiger Stadium would would hold up in the face of climate changes and disasters?
1: Yeah, well, resilience is part of it for some of these venues, but another part would be the extent to which they manage emissions, energy consumption, waste diversion. And that has become a really, really cool and popular part of the firm. Even though it's pretty small in respect of its sort of financial impact, it is one of the most common things that when I go around uh, our projects and our offices that people want to talk about. Um, We also do more traditional environmental remediation um, and investigation for the EPA, for the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, and other customers. And we increasingly are doing um, nuclear decommissioning projects for the federal government. These are former research or production facilities associated with um, our nuclear deterrent. And, um, and that, that's really just environmental remediation projects with isotopic, not just, you know, uh, chemical contamination. And then we do a range of, of resilience work, ranging from um, helping communities prepare for the impacts of climate and weather to recovering directly after those to our large resilience projects.
2: Fran, I want to bring you into the conversation here because I want people to understand Really, what makes GIS so important, and the mission of your organization to train young people in GIS skills, and I bet there's an interesting intersection here with with Aptim. But um, why is it more important, say, or, or more value, or as valuable, say, as learning Excel, for instance, or
3: right? So, then thank you, Stephanie. Um, and I just want to say we're a tiny firm compared to your <laughs> medium-sized firm. So we we want to you know grow to be a medium-sized firm and and bring gis to all students uh throughout the nation in high school we have enjoyed finding out that they're very capable of learning this technology and a skill that they can bring in the workforce so um really what's most unique about gis uh, compared to excel excel we see data in a table format and you can put that in a word document with gis it adds that geographic component to the data so then the software that we use you can bring the excel file into a map of the world of your county parish city etc and see the data visualize the data where it relates to a place on the earth. And we, we if you think about it, all data that we work with throughout the world relates to some place on the earth. So this technology does that for
2: you and gives you that capability. And so you all are teaching the students how to how to actually program and and write and create the data or how to analyze it and use it in different, um, fields. For instance, well, we don't really uh, teach them how to uh,
3: program and create. We have an excellent software from the uh, billion-dollar GIS global software company, Esri, out of California, that in 2014 gave the software to every school nationwide, K-12, through at no cost. It's about a $10,000 value per school. So I saw that Louisiana had, in fact, partnered with Esri and that's what piqued my interest. I had just spent five years in the disaster response and recovery world and hung out my shingle and and then Esri offered the software and I thought let me, you know, just fascinated me and I said let me see what I can do with this offer in Louisiana. So we offer an in-kind service to follow that gift of the software by reaching schools and setting up the software for all their members
2: to, uh, you know, be able to use it. Fantastic. Mark, let's go back to some of the different sectors that Aptim works and and competes in for for contracts. Who who are most of your clients? Are they governments? Are they primarily commercial um, customers, or is it a mix, uh, military?
1: It is a mix, yes. Um, About 60% of our revenue in a given year is with the government. Majority of that is with the federal government agencies like the Energy Department, the Department of Defense, the Army Corps of Engineers as part of the the uh, DOD. Um, about 30% of our revenue comes from private sector customers, ranging from large retailers to utilities and others. We do two great projects here in the state of Louisiana, demand-side management, energy efficiency, contracts with energy, one in New Orleans and one um, more broadly in Louisiana, which saves... Um, we work with trade trade allies, sort of small businesses across the state, um, to reduce consumption and the cost for. Uh ratepayers.
2: So tell me a little bit more specifically like what that means. I sure. mean demands, uh, ha- how are y'all, what do you literally do day to day on something like Our that? Our job
1: is to administer a program which motivates ratepayers, whether they're residential small business or large commercial businesses, to reduce their energy consumption through a means of methods. It can be as simple as um, doing an assessment of your lighting consumption in your home or your uh, AC and then providing rebates, administering the rebate programs that uh, reward um, rate payers, whether they're residential or commercial ratepayers for reducing energy. In the case of um, New Orleans, uh, the program generated 72 um, million kilowatt hours of consumption savings last year, and the energy, uh, Louisiana, energy Louisiana program saved over 60 million kilowatt hours of energy last year. And these programs, are, um, in many respects, Louisiana has become an incubator for a lot of really important work going on. In America and, and across the world, in the areas of resilience and environmental really? quality, and those are just two examples.
2: And we are sort of a ground zero in a lot of ways, just because of our vulnerability geographically. Oh, huh? yeah. yeah. And solar panels? I mean, is that a project?
1: That's a separate kind of initiative, okay. for sure, an important one, of course, but it's it's separate from this uh, these two programs.
2: Good question, Fran. How much demand is there in the in the in the workplace for? students trained in GIS well that's the job that we're
3: working hard on 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 procuring but there are 5500 companies in Louisiana that use GIS so you know we look at it as a three legged school uh, stool the private sector somebody like myself bringing the technology to the students the education sector and then the workforce sector so it really takes all three of those and so um, we've been building you know each level and,
2: and, like, I know if you go to an assessor's website, it's just wonderful. If yeah. You're searching property records. GIS is just the coolest thing. I'm sure oil and gas companies all the time. What other kind of companies use it? Well, every local government, you know, at local,
3: you know, city and state will usually have a GIS person on staff. So they're either working on road center lines or parcel data and the the assessor's data layers or just baseline layers that we need to all get right. and... And work well together, and share that
2: data, and um, you know, make sure. So, so you and your husband started this in 2014. What made you move from environmental science, where obviously you were using the GIS data, into deciding to? to train people in this? Well, I was working at DEQ and my specialty was air
3: quality. I went to University of California in Santa Barbara in environmental science and there I did a thesis on the emissions of motor vehicle motor vehicle emissions and air quality and so when i came back to louisiana I was hired by deq to work in air quality so while i was there i was there about 12 years i discovered gis and it was the most exciting thing i've ever seen and it's kept my attention for 25 years or or more so um i just knew I, my family had a 50 year old business in baton rouge and and i knew i would not ever you know work for the government for too long but i i was I guess looking for what can I learn here? Learned on the job, GIS, and take into the private sector,
2: and it was GIS. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Stephanie Regal. I'm talking to Fran Harvey of the Global Geospatial Institute and Mark Fallon of Apton. We'll continue our conversation when we come right back from this short break.
0: Support for Out to Lunch Baton Rouge comes from a data corporate staffing, basic swimming and gym, and basics underneath fine lingerie. Camellia Productions Marketing Consulting, Coret Leadership Lab, Communication and Conflict Resolution, Feigley Communications, Full Service Marketing, Gamble PR, H.R. Nola, Infinite Health Integrative Medicine Center, Lolo's Youth Yoga and Art Studio, Michelle Weighing and Measurement, Calibration Services and Measurement Equipment since 1947, New Orleans Ice Cream, available in select grocery stores, New Orleans Investment Conference, November 1st through 4th, Noki, New Orleans Culinary and Hospitality Institute, Rev Realtors, The Idea Village, The Scout Guide Baton Rouge, and The Scout Guide New Orleans. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Stephanie Regal.
2: I'm talking to Fran Harvey of the Global Geospatial Institute and Mark Fallon of Aptum. Mark, I know the the different corporate iterations of Aptum's predecessors were, you know, different things, but why are y'all based in Baton Rouge? What does Baton Rouge offer? What made Aptum want this to be headquarters?
1: It's a fantastic question, and it resonates directly with our mission, right? Our, Our mission is to Enhance the, environment, the quality of the environment and the resilience of communities, um, and also to enhance the opportunity for people who want to make a difference, not just a living. And as you said, Stephanie, we have a special responsibility here in Louisiana, a place that is extremely vulnerable to the impacts of climate, rising sea level, extreme weather events and others. And so it is in many respects, um, unfortunately, a working laboratory, right, for developing Um, resilient solutions. The water campus where we proudly moved our headquarters earlier this year is the only center in North America devoted expressly to the research and development of solutions for coastal resilience. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of ironic in the sense that we were ostensibly sort of based here um, in our predecessor firms because of its proximity to the oil and gas sector. And the petrochemical sector is and always will be a really important part of the economy here. But we're here now because... Our raison d'etre is really around the environment and resilience, and there's no better place in the world to do that. And because we are entrusted to do this important work on behalf of our neighbors here in Louisiana, we have an obligation to uh, invest in the work that's happening here at LSU and elsewhere, investing in, um, as Fran and her team are doing, um, developing you know, the next generation of talented people who are committed to this important work here and elsewhere.
2: How, how is the water campus doing? Um, I covered his early development yeah. pretty extensively, and I know that the theory was always, if we build it, they will come. Yeah. Y'all are an example of the they that sure. came. Yeah. Have other firms moved there as They're they on. had hoped?
1: Yeah, yeah there, are some, there are some local firms as well as some global um, um, engineering sort of technical firms. It's a fantastic space. Its connection to the levee and to the river is... Um, really as I say sort of resonates not only with our sort of our strategy but also with our people we had our class of interns We had 36 interns from around uh, the country including several from Southern from LSU um, here this summer and um, we do all of our sort of large internal meetings here in Baton Rouge for a whole host of reasons number one because it's a physical manifestation of kind of what we're about
2: very cool Fran explain to us how the model of of your institute works and like how y'all really make money I mean do you charge a a fee or do you contract with the schools or the companies yeah thank you
3: Stephanie it's a great question Uh, this is our impact report that we just published and I'll follow up and email one to you all and there are four key areas that we are focused on I do want to mention that when I started to get in the education business I went to a veteran educator and was like this is what I want to do and she wisely advised me you're not going to get an appointment with the principal unless you walk in with an industry-based certification and I was like what's that and so I so that's the path I got on so we developed a course in high school for GIS and the students when they pass the course they can sit and earn and take an exam to earn a certificate in GIS and that just gets them an entry-level job you know, correcting data layers and procuring yeah. data. And, and we have industry partners that'll pay them $15 an hour. And so that's really the sweet spot of what we do. Sure. We actually start with pre-K all the way to, through 12th grade. And we have really? four, yeah, we have four key areas. Mighty maps is what we call pre-K to middle school. And so National Geographic some years ago produced these 16 foot by 20 foot maps of each state. So it's on the floor in a big room. Everybody's in socks. The pre-K kids are in socks. They're meandering along the Mississippi River. They're placing airplanes in Monroe for Delta, you know, in Barksdale. I mean, they're lear- They're placing the, you know, pine trees, et cetera. They're learning about what's the economy that drives our state. So that's a really fun, you know, start. Middle school is a sweet spot because kids are still kind of interested in what's going on and you know where they're going to go and then our so that's our course middle school and pre-k and then we have a competition every year where um, you can submit a story map or an online product and the top five uh, middle school winners each win $100 and the top five high school winners each win $100 and then they go on to compete nationally and last year our middle school student won the national competition from cattle middle school. That's great. Yeah.
2: So then you, oh, and well, then sorry, teacher development, the teacher right.
3: development. is So then nice. you pay, the schools pay you to do this or the students pay well, to participate? Well, thank goodness there is a nice program at DOE. It's called Supplemental Course Academy. And I believe it's really designed to in, get some innovation into these schools, you know, and, and focus on STEM technology. So that's a pocket of money that is from DOE that goes to every school and they can pay us as a provider to bring a class in mm-hmm. so that's something really good to know about you know I end up taking on the job to tell schools this is what they have I mean I wish right. they knew it but um yeah. it is a nice pocket of money that's not onerous on the schools
2: it's already given to them and it's for this use. Okay very good um you know I know y'all are both sort of involved in work that environmental obviously Aptum very much how what do you all see when you look out and we talk about Louisiana's? Future and you evaluate sustainability all the time. Are, is this place sustainable? There's some challenges.
1: Yeah, I, I think the challenges are endemic. They are not unique to Louisiana, but they're particularly pronounced here. And I think that this um, state is uh, and community is developing the sort of intellectual sort of capital, the human capital, and the important work that Fran is doing is just one is really, really important part of that. Right. The good thing that we have going for us is that we've never seen I mean, this sector is cool again. Right. Maybe there was yeah. a period of time where, you know, you the tech bros, you know, in the hoodies were cool or the finance people or whatever, but what we're doing now resonates with bright people of every age. And there is a role to play, um, that, uh, f- for everyone, regardless of your background, you do not need to be a licensed engineer to make a difference in the area of resilience. And I think that LSU's Ocean and Environment School is an important part of that. Um, I think also the state has been willing to apply some of the most innovative sort of uh, controls for resilience, you know, in the world, right? Uh, Flood defenses and the like. And so I think if... If anybody can make it happen, I think I think Louisiana can, because it unfortunately has both the capacity and the vulnerability and the sort of searing sort of memory of the human sort of toll that resilience makes. Um, uh, Congressman Graves likes to tell people in the Congress that if you don't believe in climate change, come to my district.
0: Right.
2: And yet, the paradox, because... Well, you know, without getting into politics, you see so many policies that, you know, I don't know. I feel like the energy sector really gets it, but they have talking heads and lobbyists and industry associations that still um, don't don't really speak what they know to be true. And it's an interesting dynamic when you're in the political halls of power.
3: You know, and another opportunity I want to touch back on is is our experience from Katrina as it relates to education, because obviously that you know blew the, the lid off of a lot of areas of our you know our lives and sectors and behaviors. And but my husband and I looked at that in, as it related to education, and I know a lot of people around the world did too, that we can now reinvent right our education system. I mean, it's antiquated. We're using the same system we've used for. 200 years 100 years and um so the last 20 years has been a real study you know especially down in new orleans but it's been just fascinating to track that and to try to get some inroads to innovation and stem
2: technology
3: and and in in the school system Mm
2: -hmm. do y'all use gis in your business mark
1: routinely routinely
2: and do you have like gis analysts on your staff
1: we do, okay. and we need more of them. And so, um, <laughs> really, really grateful for the work that Fran is doing. Absolutely, they have applications. Just literally yesterday, we made a pitch to a a, a, a giant retail logistics company that I can't name um, around managing their stormwater data. Right, they have you know 400 sites across the country that they need to manage this data, and, and the GIS solution was was uh, integral to that. Similarly, with the coastal monitoring work we do here in Louisiana for CPRA, relies heavily on GIS uh, data um, telematically connected. And it is an example, I think, of how firms like ours have to adapt, right? Um, For years, we relied on really bright people to solve problems. And that will always be central to our value proposition. But increasingly, we have to balance a methodological proposition with one that's uh, technology as well. And it's not just the PhDs who get to apply and use the technology. People at every level have to be empowered to use tools, that's often what draws them and distinguishes one firm for another or one career choice from another. Where can I go to use the coolest tools to do work that's purposeful? And so that's why, in my view, the work that Fran is doing, and, and educators across the state mm-hmm. is so, so crucial. That's Connecting great. Well, those, yeah. that cool technology... With work that's uh, worth doing.
2: But
3: yeah. well, thank you, and I do want to touch on climate change. So that's our GIS student project every year is mm-hmm. climate change, and it's for me, it's an outgrowth of serving on the governor's task force and the 15 areas that you know climate change touches in our everyday lives. And it's really a challenge to get that huge topic, you know, cold down to a high school level and get them to connect with it. And we could really use guest speakers, you know, that can help us break down you know, the enormous amount of knowledge that that, that that is involved in all that, but to get them to buy in on a level of interest, whether it's transportation or energy or fuel sources or sure.
2: is really, is really exciting. Real quick before we have to wrap up, what is on your short-term horizon, something we can look forward to with APTEM or with the Institute? Uh, Short-term goal or big news coming up?
3: Our goal would be 100 students a year earning a GIS certificate, and we need to do fundraising. So we need to do a better job of partnering with industry and you know in the community and connecting the dots.
1: Yeah, I think you know sort of our business objectives are probably sort of boring to the audience, but I think more relevant.
2: (laughs) Well, then spare (laughs) us. No, I'm
3: teasing. Of course,
1: no, but Uh, which is to sort of bring you know 50 um, Louisiana sort of students into the firm in the next year, right? We're, um, and those are people who are committed to sort of making a difference here in the state, but also taking that to other places as well. Um, so we are um, fortunate to be growing, right? Uh, growing is painful, but that's be- it's the best kind of pain there is, right? Um, and it will require a lot of great people here in Louisiana. Um, and I'd say that the most meaningful difference we can make is continue to provide opportunity for great people here uh, to do work, work, do, uh, work worth doing, yeah.
2: I wanted to ask you, and I forgot, how much of y'all's work is in Louisiana? It depends. Roughly, I mean, it just depends.
1: like I'd say it's, you know, probably the, it's a larger percentage of our of our employee base than it is our revenue. Um, I would say it's less than five percent of our revenue, probably, but less um, than
2: five percent of your revenue is in Louisiana.
1: Depending upon the year, right? Wow, right. We have several uh, large projects that are multi-year projects that are more sort of consulting engagements, but I would say about you know, 25% of our workforce is here. Interesting,
2: okay. Well, Mark Fallon and Fran Harvey, it's great to meet leaders, thinkers, and innovators in Baton Rouge who are taking technology and turning it into opportunities to not only help the community, but create jobs and provide services to clients locally and around the globe. It's been delightful visiting with you both Thanks so much for making time to share your stories today on Out to Lunch.
0: Thanks Thank so much. You. For having us.
2: Thank you for all you do, Stephanie. My guests today on Out to Lunch have been Mark Fallon of Aptum and Fran Harvey of the Global Geospatial Institute. You can find out more about Aptum and the Global Geospatial Institute and hear our unedited conversation with Mark and Fran on the Out to Lunch Baton Rouge podcast. You can find and subscribe to the Out to Lunch Baton Rouge podcast on your podcast app and on our website, itsbatonrouge.la. If you want to know what we all look like, you can find photos from this show on its itsbatonrouge.la and on our Out to lunch baton rouge social media today's photos were taken by brian pavlich and you can find more brian's photos at pavlich out to lunch is a production of ino broadcasting for its baton rouge.la and wrkf 89.3 fm the producer of our show is grant morris our technical producer is eric merle our associate producer is peter Raschuti, and our baton rouge business consultants are charlie d'agostino and ann edelman Today's show was engineered by Dylan Babineau. I'm Stephanie Regal. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you around the table at Mansour's again next week for more business Baton Rouge style on Out to Lunch.
0: Out to Lunch Baton Rouge is recorded live over lunch at Mansour's on the Boulevard in Baton Rouge. Mansour's is open for lunch daily, 11 to 2, for dinner nightly and for brunch on Saturdays and Sundays major support for out to lunch is provided by the law firm of jones walker established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the u.s providing a comprehensive range of services to a local national and international client base joneswalker.com and by passion lily fair trade fashion 831 charter street or passionlily.com and by mind coach professional coaching for the professional brain More information at mind-coach.com. And by the East Baton Rouge Parish School System, inspiring humanity through transformational learning in the classroom and community. Initiatives like Pathways to Bright Futures will allow students to graduate high school with an associate degree or an industry-based credential along with their high school diploma. More information at ebrschools.org. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at MitchellForeman.com. If you'd like to be part of Out to Lunch, to learn how your business or organization can become an Out to Lunch program partner, email info at inobroadcasting.com.